Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I am your host, David Dodge, and today I have an awesome guest on the show, Alex Jarbo, and Alex is a short-term rental developer and a manager. So he was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. He served in the Marine Corps for four and a half years where he was stationed in Washington, D.C. Apart from the Marine Corps, honor guard he left the marine corps for 22 years old to pursue his career as a real estate professional he is the founder and ceo of sargon investments and he has a goal of developing 650 cabins in the next three years alex holds an mba with concentration in real estate development and currently finishing a doctorate in business with concentration in leadership he is the host of a YouTube channel called Alex Builds, where he teaches the ins and outs of short-term development and management. And Alex, I'm happy to have you, man. How are you today? Oh, thanks for having me on, man. Super excited to be on. Yeah, we're happy to have you, man. So I definitely wanted to get to know you a little bit more on this podcast and pick your brain about some of these short-term rentals and development and management. But before we get started into all that, just give us a brief history of you know, what you've been doing in real estate, how long you've been in real estate, and uh, just a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I mean, we can go back to like my military days of just like, so I, I uh, sort of the end of my enlistment uh, back in 2006, 15, 15, 16, uh, I decided that uh, I had about six to eight months left on my contract, didn't want to re-enlist uh, into the Marine Corps. Um, so I just started looking at reading up on different types of investing classes, stock market, crypto, real estate, real estate really caught my eye. Um, just because I enjoyed the control that you could have over it, um, like with like forced appreciation and everything. So um, really went headfirst into that world. Um, at that time, there weren't really, there were some multifamily books. There weren't really two, almost nothing on uh, self-storage, short-term rentals. So I've read, I've, I've tried to read as much as I can in the different asset classes, the different real estate classes. Um, and I originally had landed on a flipping mentorship when I was still in the Marine Corps. And I, I forgot how much it cost at that time, but um, I joined that. And what I realized was the person who had run that program, a lot of their long-term wealth was tied into short-term rentals. This is back again in 2016. Um, so even back then, five, five six years ago, um, it, it was still, there's, they were pretty heavily invested in short-term rentals. So I got them on the phone and um, I was like, I'm super, I was like, I love the flipping model, but I'm, I'm here for like long-term wealth. Like I understand like you can make a lot of money in the flipping and a lot of people have. Um, but I, I, I really, I, I really like the short-term rental stuff. I like, like sort of just, I, I, I'm a host at heart. Um, so he helped me decide on the city that I currently live in. Just like, just walk me through market analysis and everything. And uh, so I currently live in Asheville, North Carolina. The day I got out of the Marine Corps, I I, I got out of the Marine Corps and drove straight to her, uh, to Asheville. I had some money saved up, but didn't really know what I wanted to do outside of the short-term rental thing. So got my real estate license um, and I, I just started looking for short-term rentals. Um, and what I realized at that time was everything was either way out of my price range or it, 
it, it was in my price range, but it wouldn't have done well as a short-term rental. Maybe it would have done well as like a long-term rental or putting a long-term tenant in there. Um, but not necessarily, there wasn't really anything unique that was in my price range. So my very first real estate investment was actually a ground up development, short-term rental, uh, permanent foundation, stick built house. Um, so that's essentially how I got started. Um, and that one property turned into two, two turned into four, brought on some investor capital. And just today we're developing 24. And like you said, we have the goal of developing 650 in the next three years. Man, that's amazing. So tell me more about this first one. It's a single family home. How many bedrooms? How many bathrooms? Yeah. How big of a house is it? Yeah. So, I mean, just again, like I didn't really have too much money starting. So we got a second home loan, construction loan. At that time, you can get them at 90%. Um, and there are some hard money, but this was like permanent financing, fixed uh, fixed rate uh, debt. And uh, it was an eight. It, it is. We still, I'll never sell that property, but it's an 800 square foot A-frame, two bedroom, one bath that can sleep six people. So two bedrooms plus a queen pullout couch. Um, yeah, we we found the land. Uh, we got a really good deal on the land where it was two separate parcels, um, but they were being offered together. Uh, one side appraised for so much um, that the other side we essentially got for a dollar at closing. Um, so we once that first one was built, we then went to the bank again and got, or I got, I went to an, an, a commercial bank um, and got uh, used that as collateral to qualify for another loan where we're building, uh, where we built two more on that land. Um, but that first one, man, that, that first one's definitely been our cash cow. Um, that first one last year did 84,000 in gross and 46,000 46, in net alone. Um, which I mean, that's, I, I consider that like a starting salary for anyone who's starting out. Yeah, definitely. That's, those are some good numbers, man. I like to hear that. That's awesome. Um, what websites are you guys advertising on to get the short-term tenants? Yeah. So we, so this is a model that, um, we recently started changing in the last six months. So I, all my properties are on either they're on Airbnb and VRBO both. Um, but what I've really started to focus on the last six months is building a direct booking platform out. So the biggest, the the best tool that I've used for that, it's a company called StayFi that it's a little router that it's a little disc that plugs into the back of your router. And it essentially create, you create a landing page where your guest has to put in their email address to get access to the internet. So the guest comes from Airbnb VRBO then we capture their email addresses and then we we remarket to them um, to to our own direct booking site. Nice, very cool, yeah. very cool. Okay, um, but let's just talk about how you know how how would um, you know how has building been a benefit to you? So like it seems to me like that was probably the easiest barrier to entry for you, and that's yeah, probably right. why you did that. Um, has everything that you've done with the short terminal space been a, a, a new build, a, you know, a ground up construction or have you, you know, bought any homes or small multifamilies, um, or even done any type of arbitrage? Just curious. Yeah. So, so I, I've done rental arbitrage. I'm actually a, a very part-time mentor coach to BNB formula, which is all rental arbitrage mainly. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I, I'm a firm believer in the rental arbitrage model that sort of helped me. Uh, save up some money to do some of my other deals to get down payments on. Um, so I've done that route. Um, I, I I started with the new development stuff, but I, I'll never shy a deal. I'll never pass on a deal if it's a if it's a good short term rental deal. So a good example of that is we recently purchased a massive thirty two hundred square foot log cabin um, that had a had a detached garage that was wrapped like a log cabin. So we converted that into another unit and it came with four acres. So we're going to develop four other cabins on that acreage as well. So I'll purchase properties. 
um, for short-term rentals as long as they have some sort of acreage attached to them. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Very cool, man. Very, very cool. Uh, let's see here. Do you sell the properties after they're built? Doesn't sound like you do. It sounds like you keep them all. No, they're long-term holds, especially especially with our investors. Um, like our our investors know that we're married to each other for eight to ten years, depending on what the market looks like at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, you, I, I had mentioned here in your bio, Saigon Investments. Tell me a little bit about that. Did I say that right? Or Sargon? Yeah. Yeah. Sargon. Yeah. Sargon. So that's that's that sort of just came from. Um, Originally came from my military buddies coming up to me and just um, I mean, just over a couple drinks, just talking, um, meeting up like oh, we, we meet up like once or twice a year. Uh, just all of us get together somewhere. And um, that that came from just them having some money set aside that they wanted to put. And I, I, I was pretty much tapped out on my finances at that point. Uh, where my my military buddies uh, that that's where I brought my first investor capital on. And then I just I mean, that those deals worked out and. I, I was like, okay, I, I guess I can build a business. I, I wasn't necessarily looking for like a syndication model, more like JV deals. So I've done I've done five JV deals in the last three years, um, and they've just gotten bigger and bigger. So the last one, the current one we're doing right now, is twelve cabins with the with the same investor. Um, so that's where Sargon Investments came from. Is like what my where I've shifted my focus to sort of get to that six hundred fifty cabin number is uh, to develop sort of themed communities where they're all permanent foundation stick built houses. Um, but there's some sort of theme to them, whether it be A-frames, barn style houses, cottage communities, chalets. Um, I call them micro resorts. Um, but that's that's where Sargon Investments comes in. Is, is That's the capital raising investment side of my company. Okay. Awesome, man. Awesome. What are the best areas to invest in your opinion? It sounds like you love the short term rental game. Yeah, short-term rental, and then when you're looking at market analysis or someone who's going into the short-term rental space, a lot of, um, I mean, whatever real estate book you you read, they'll say what in whatever asset class you're like, they're like start in your backyard, start in your backyard, start in your backyard, and that's sort of that that that's true for short-term rentals as well. It might not be directly in your backyard, meaning it might not be in the exact market that you live in. But what I've been, what I've always told students is that the people that I teach is they're no matter where you live, there is within an hour or two of a, a, a market where people like to take a weekend or an extended weekend vacation to. Um, and it could it could be as extreme as three to five hours. If you're like, if you look at like New York City, people drive to upstate New York for weekends all the time. Yeah. And they drive back down. Same thing if you look on the extreme on the other side, California, you look on the West Coast, like you have people in San Diego that drive up to Big Bear Lake all the time. Um, so that that's what I say is like when you when you're choosing a market, um think start in your backyard and if if you're in a metro city i recommend like just thinking about where people like to take weekend vacations to in your area and then from there sort of deciding on uh, the easiest way to do it is to decide on a property type um something unique you can just hop on airbnb's website and they display the top properties in your market so you can sort of get a feel for what rents well in your pro in your area Got it. Do you guys do any midterm or short term rentals or, or I'm sorry, midterm or long term rentals or is everything? So we, we don't do long term. Uh, before COVID, I was underwriting all of my deals as long term rentals. So always think of the exit in mind. Right. Um, and I, I would underwrite them as long term rentals just in case, like if the city decided to change their rules or something, mm -hmm. um, I could rent it out as a long term rental. And then if that didn't work out, I would just sell it um, with how high construction costs have gotten and everything. Um, and just like how high, like just materials and labor costs have gotten. Our exits just 
selling the property if it doesn't work out till I mean, there's still an inventory shortage in general. True. Um, so our exit's just selling it. So um, yeah, it's just that, that, that uh, we've done midterm before. We did midterm when COVID originally happened, mm-hmm. um, where we just rented out to nurses. Um, and I'm I'm not uh, against that. Like, I mean, you can do midterm rentals on Airbnb and VRBO. Um, we tend to switch to the midterm model when it's a little bit of a slower season. Say, like, we're going into the winter season now. Um, I like to find people that, like, stay, like, a month or maybe a month and a half um, mm-hmm. just because it's, it's less maintenance as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Do you guys have any restrictions in your city or county for yeah. Airbnb? What are they? And um, are they... Do they have anything to do with taxation? So not, I don't, I don't know about taxation necessarily, but um, I know the city of Asheville itself does not allow for short-term rentals at all. Um, so what I did was um, um, I pulled up the map uh, on, on the MLS map and I essentially at, highlighted Asheville and then we just purchased property just on the border in just the county. It's allowed in the county. Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, that, that strategy actually helped us out during COVID because I mean, it, it wasn't our intention, but for me, it was just, uh, I just couldn't afford anything that was closer to the city. So we just went a little further out. Um, when you're investing in a mountain market, people are already used to driving like Uber and Lyft is a thing here, but it's not as big. Like people are, people are driving to hiking trails sort of off the beaten path. Um, but what COVID did was it pushed people out of the metro markets, right? It, it pushed people out of the metro markets and people are more comfortable living, like staying in a more rural area as long as they have access to the metro market. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. So the reason I asked that, um, I live in St. Louis, Missouri, and St. Louis is one of two cities in the U.S. that has a city and a county, uh, a city government and a county government. It's very strange. Usually the city is within the right. county. We right. actually have our own county for the city. It's kind, of, it's very, very strange. But again, it's one of two. Uh, I believe the other, the other city that does that is Atlanta. Um, but anyway, within the city limits of St. Louis, any Airbnb is taxed at, as a commercial building, even if it is a residential building in a residential neighborhood. Um, so I was just curious if you had any restrictions like that. The, the one Airbnb that I owned, I sold. I owned it for about two and a half years, and it didn't really do so hot, um, really for two main reasons. Number one, we had a third-party manager. And they were basically taking about 30% of gross, which was high. Off the top, yeah. Off the top, gross, yep. right? And, um, you know, that was high. So that definitely ate into quite a bit of the of the, uh, of the net. And then the other reason was our property taxes went from $2,300 annually to $7,600 annually. Uh, because, yeah. again, within the city limits, if you're doing anything less than 30 days, and that's how they define short term, is less than 30 days you were going to be getting taxed as a commercial property. So I always want to caution anybody that wants to get into this game, look at your local taxes. Absolutely. And just because they aren't that way today doesn't mean that they might not change the rules. So, you know, just keep an eye on those things. Definitely not, you know, not something that's going to prevent people from getting into the short-term game. Lots of people do it and there's a lot of money to be made. Alex is a prime example here of that. Uh, But definitely keep an eye on, you know, the local legislation. So, and I was, I always think what, what had, uh, and that's a very good point. Cause it's like when, what I thought about COVID was like, I mean, every other news thing was talking about, like, there's a shortage in inventory. There's a shortage in inventory. And that was one thing that I was thinking about my city would do is 
that's that's sort of the that's sort of the easy button. That's the low hanging fruit is to how do we increase the inventory in the city? It's like just make it incredibly difficult for short term rentals to be profitable so that people sell them, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's an effective strategy because I don't know if that works or not. But that was one thing that I always thought about could happen as well. Yeah, you know, I'm not really exactly sure why they did it. I think the hotel, the hotels probably lobbied against it, I would think. I think there's also some reasons, you know, like certain neighborhoods don't want the short term rentals because of parties. And I mean, there's definitely some some reasons that I can get behind. Uh, But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, this is a free country. You would think that you should be able to do what you want with your property and doesn't really turn out to to operate that way. And I mean, it's all on the manager at the end of the day. Like we because I've stood in front of my uh, county board uh, to get like conditional use permits on our bigger projects. Mm -hmm. And it's like you need to convince them. And obviously this doesn't apply to the St. Louis thing. So that's I mean, that's a the commercial tax thing. But um, for people who are like sort of in that gray area where you have to seek a conditional use, that's not necessarily a bad thing um, because that there is that, that, that adds some sort of barrier to entry, which is not a bad thing um, because you have to essentially convince your county or your city that you're managing the property stricter than if someone lived there long term. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what, that's what we try to do. Another thing that's just shielded us. And I've seen some people do is if, if you have the capacity for it in the capital, um, you can skip the short-term rental piece completely and just go for a hotel permit. Obviously that requires a bigger team to do that, but hotels can advertise on Airbnb. There's like a separate section for them now. So I, I like to say that, like, I, I, now I like to say, I'm not really in short-term rentals. I'm just in hospitality in general. Cause they're, they're sort of starting to merge now. Um, like, because again, you can put boutique hotels on Airbnb and VRBO now. Interesting. That's, that's really cool. I did not know that. Very cool. All right. So when it comes to building a property yourself, what are a couple things to consider, you know, when it comes to property selection? Yeah. So the biggest thing is going to be outside of market. So we already talked about market is you want to think about access, especially when we're talking about rural areas, you want to think about access to the land that you're considering purchasing, or maybe the cabin. So like, especially if it's an already built cabin, it might look bad, like it might look so cool on the listing, right? You're like, you see it, you're like, how this is a screaming deal. A lot of times what I've realized is the access, the road leading up to the property is pretty rough. And you got to think about the whole guest experience, not just the property itself. So what I like to say is you don't want you don't want your guests to be driving. A lot of times they're new to the area. A lot of times they're going to be driving in at night if they've been traveling. You don't want your guests to be driving up 30 minutes up a gravel road and they've never been to the area. Um, they're going to be annoyed by the time they even get to your property. And a lot of times, like if, if they're traveling with a couple, sometimes they're going to be scared like that they just went through that. I've talked to so many guests and hosts that deal with that. Um, so that's number that's number one. I like to be off of a double lane state maintained road and we'll put in our own driveway if we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like a 100 meter, 200 meter driveway. Um, that's never an issue. So access is very important. Access number one. Yeah, I always say access is is very important because, again, you got to think of the whole guest experience um, and just general stuff like what is the land like? What is the drive to the guest uh, for the guest look like? So, like, obviously, I do my I, I don't look at every single property that I purchase right off the bat. Like I do my own analysis off my computer. Mm-hmm. But then the, the next step is obviously driving to the property to see how the drive is based off of what like Google and Google, like Google and Apple Maps give me. Um, so access is number one. And then j- just general development stuff is just like making sure that there's access to electricity, 
um, and the the right type of utilities. Internet's getting, I mean, I feel like after COVID, or at least coming out of the lockdowns, I mean, internet's practically essential at this point, some sort of internet connection. Yeah, which, which is pretty easy to get in most cases, unless you're yeah. way off the beaten path, which at that point, you're going to probably have access issues anyway. Yeah, I would remarket the, I, I would change the marketing completely that like, I would just market it as an off grid property at that point. Um, so it, it might not necessarily work for what you're thinking about, but it's it's all in the marketing at the end of the day, if you can't get the property utilities out there, because if you put solar panels, no internet, and then, I mean, maybe a septic tank and a well, which all of our properties are in septic and well, but I mean, you could just market it as an off grid property. And I'm, I'm sure it. people would love that too. I love it, man. And I love how you said it's all about how you market it. Cause that's that absolutely means everything. You know, if you, yeah. if you don't hide it, anything from the guest either, like lay it all out lay in the market. So they know what they're signing up for. And then, you know, there'll be people that are actually looking absolutely off grid type of things to get away for the weekend and disconnect. Right. And I love it, man. That's, you sound like you're definitely very skilled and uh, have a lot of experience, you know, in, in, I appreciate this, that. Uh, in this niche. So that's really cool. I'm glad to have you on the show here today. Um, let me ask you this, and I'm not trying to be condescending when I ask this question. So let's do it. No, I love it. Please don't take it the wrong way. Uh, but at, you know, you you are already actually mentioned, you know, COVID, and you know how we've how we've had quite the change in the world, the whole world, you know, over the last couple of years. So are short term rentals still profitable with what has happened in the world in in just the last couple of years? Yeah, last couple of years, and I would even say right now, as we're going we're going through this correction right now. Um, people so I, when i say this people don't stop traveling they instead of taking that two week trip to europe they're going to be taking maybe an extended weekend vacation or something so i think people are always going to be traveling um i mean I, I mean our occupancy sort of shows that even currently and i mean we're getting bookings every single day so that hasn't slowed down in any means what what i really like to preach is like investing in unique properties where the property itself is an experience outside of the city that the guest is traveling to mm. There's a built there's a built in I hate to use the word recession proof, but there's a there's a built in buffer there when when the property is unique, when you have a log cabin, when you have an A frame or something unique, even if it's if it's not the structure itself, if there's something in the interior design in the inside of the property that's unique, um, that will sort of set you apart from the other properties, because, again, people don't stop traveling. Um, so that's that's what I've always said is like unique markets or a, a, a traveling market with a unique property is going to kill it all the time. We're like, if you're in a seasonal market, the people will still travel to your area. It's, it's just it's a little bit more competitive during the down season. So the people will be looking at, I say, Instagrammable properties where like people can have an experience in the property where they don't have to travel if it's too cold, rainy or too hot or whatever it is. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I was just curious on your perspective there. So yeah, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So you had mentioned earlier that, you know, during COVID, you guys went to some midterm or maybe even into the winter months. I'd imagine you're still marketing the property the traditional way on, on Airbnb, on VRBO, and on your direct booking site. Do you guys use any other sites like Furnish Finder or anything like that to try to you know locate those midterm tenants? Yeah, I had a I had a manager actually help me with that. So I don't I mean, that was two years ago because we only shut down for two months uh, once we were done with that uh, with short term rental stuff like short term rentals were outlawed for like two and a half months in, in my city. So not that long. Obviously, COVID stayed around for two they were years, outlawed for two stayed. and a half months. So it was just an, it's a short term thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, two, I mean, two two and a half months completely shut down, and then I forgot. I think it was like you could rent for like two weeks or whatever. But 
I mean, hotels were still allowed to stay open here for the most part. Like it wasn't like a complete shutdown, right? Um, my wife actually moved. Uh, we we lived separately after we got married for six months. My wife actually moved here to the city. Literally, I think it was March 18th, like two days before the lockdown. So we were still able to get a hotel and stuff when we were traveling down here from Michigan. Um, but yeah, we we switched over. To, we we got a couple of tenants in there. And I believe my manager, because I, I wasn't I wasn't familiar with like midterm or long term rental stuff up until that point. Um, we just got traveling nurses in there. And what I want people to think about is like w- with these unique properties or something's unique. I had talked to a student that um, their their properties were really close to like um, one of the biggest hospitals in the area for like uh, terminally ill children. Where like that's what their main uh, that's what their main guests were. Was that that was their uh, the the I guess the guest avatar was that, which is crazy. Um, so you you want to there there there's a where the rubber meets the road is like there there are these websites out there that specifically cater to your optimal guest. So there are like you just said, there's the furnished website, there's there's traveling nurse websites. Peer Space is a really one that I actually just started writing on. Uh, Peer Space is interesting, and I started playing with. There are all these different websites, and so there are specific short-term rental sites and midterm sites that might be specific to your city as well. That like they're they're like only for St. Louis, Missouri, where where like so I, I I urge guests or I urge hosts to sort of look into some of those websites as well, because um, the, the you, I think you have a little bit more control over the guests when it comes to those types of people, and especially like we get with like wedding, their weddings are huge in this area. Um, so like we get with all the wedding planners in this area and give them the link to our property. Um, and we offer them a discount based off, um, like what they bring us essentially, they just message us directly, but wedding planners getting with event planners in your area is huge. Um, just staying, t- uh, just with any type of business, just staying top of mind with, with where the guests are coming from essentially. Man, I love it. You, you, again, you definitely know a lot about this space and, uh, you sound like the the authority in in your market which is which is phenomenal now you had mentioned earlier some you know students so i'm just curious to hear learn a little bit more about you know any courses or coaching programs that that you may have yeah so i originally started was it back in june bigger pockets brought me on to write for their short-term rental content um i'm one of the main uh writers for their short-term rental stuff and i just started getting um the bigger pockets crowd is mainly people who are starting out in real estate in general um so what I realized was a lot of people were just, hey, can I get 30 minutes of your time? Can I get 45 minutes of your time? And it just, it got to a point where it was just, it, it got to be too much. So I decided to put a course together and I essentially, I put the course, the course is essentially the course that I wish I had when I started six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that was sort of the whole mentality around put like, okay, what 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 do I wish I knew? And what do what did I need six years ago when I started? So I put together a short-term rental development and management course. It's so over a hundred videos. It took me like six months to put together. It has a group coaching. There's group coaching once a month in it. There's templates, there's checklists, there's past interviews that I've done with my mentor, my one-on-one mentor that I pay like 30 grand a year to 40 grand a year to um, all these, all these different things um, that I, again, when you get into development, especially in real estate, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so it's like, I've probably, I probably would have saved like two or $300,000 um, if I would have had this course when I first started. So that, that, that's what I, I recently put together for anyone who asked me, um, if they can get like an hour of my time or something, just cause I'm, I'm tapped out right now and working on other stuff. So what's the course called? 
Yeah, so it's the Build Don't Buy STR Masterclass. Um, I'm sure it'll be sh in the show notes somewhere. Um, a, a fast place to find it. Honestly, if you go on my personal website uh, for people who are listening, it's alexjarbo.com. Um, they can they can sign up for the masterclass there. So alexjarbo.com. Yep, and, and then uh, Build Don't Buy STR, STR Masterclass. Masterclass.com. So is it yeah, B, it's, it's BDB yep, STR. STR masterclass.com and i'll make sure that we put this down below into the show notes um alex how can people connect with you if they want to you know learn more or yeah. network or you know get more information about you the masterclass, the coaching that you offer you know all this type yeah. of good stuff yeah personal site's a good place i'm pretty active on linkedin i'm pretty active in the bigger pockets forums if you guys check out um if you guys comment in the articles i have a youtube channel that i just uh, my wife was like urging me like you need social media and blah, blah blah like actually going through in the process so uh, I just started a, uh, I restarted my YouTube channel where we're just like walking through the process of all of our builds because for a while honestly man it was funny I was getting a lot of comments from the bigger pocket stuff like this guy probably doesn't even develop or blah 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 like his own property so I was like okay I gotta actually show people that I'm doing something <laughs> like I'm the I was pretty close to the, like kept everything pretty close to the vest for a couple of years but um yeah I'm pretty active on my YouTube channel Nice. I'll have to check that out. And the YouTube channel is called Alex Builds, B-U-I-L-D-S. Yep. Yeah, it's a little icon that looks like a treehouse, a blue treehouse. Awesome, man. Awesome. So again, guys, alexjarbo.com. He's got his own website. He has a master class, which is a course along with a coaching program. Um, again, this will be down in the show notes below the episode here, but that website is B-D-B-S-T-R, Build, Don't Buy. And what's the S-T-R stand for? Short-term rental. Short-term rental. Bill, don't buy short-term rental. So BDBSTRmasterclass.com. YouTube channel is called Alex Builds. You can learn more about his business at sargoninvestments.com. That's S-A-R-G-O-N investments.com. Or if you want to email Alex directly, alex at sargoninvestments.com is a good contact information for him as well. Alex, what would you say... Um, your biggest piece of advice to anybody that's starting out would be in 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 anything sit down if you're working like i started working a full-time job first before i got into this um especially me coming from the military working like 70 90 hours a week mm -hmm. you need to be able to set anywhere between an hour to three hours aside a day to work yeah. on something one of the most influential books i've ever read was the one thing by gary keller and jay papazan very short brief book but you you need to sit down my phone is nowhere near me right now. It's like you need to disconnect from everything and just w focus on one thing every day, one to three hours. It could be a different one thing every day, but just focus on one thing for one to three hours a day. I love it, man. There's another book that I read recently called Deep Work. And, yeah, uh, Deep Work by uh, Cal Newport. Yeah, Cal phenomenal. Newport. phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal yeah. book. And it's, it's very similar, but it just basically yeah. states what you did. Like you got to be able to disconnect from all the distractions and get yeah, into yeah. deep work which, you know, one to three hours is a good amount of time to set aside. And if you want to have any, any sort of success in, in anything, you need to be consistent with that. And you, you definitely need to be able to disconnect. So I love that. I, I liked I like that book is in the book. It talks about like the, the, op, the optimal office, which is literally a box with nothing on the walls, just your computer. Mm -hmm. that, that was, that was really funny. Mm -hmm. Keeps you from getting distracted. I love right. it. Alex, uh, a couple more quick questions for you here before we wrap up, buddy. Uh, what is your favorite word? Favorite word. Ooh. 
Um, I mean, this probably comes from the military, um, but just accountability. And when I say accountability, more like accountability of yourself. Um, one of the best leadership books I ever read was Extreme Ownership by freaking, um, I'm already blanking on his name, uh, by Jocko Willink. Um, just uh, essentially owning up to everything um, that, I mean, that's, that, that's taught in the Marine Corps as well. It's like every, even everything that's, out, everything's your fault, even though it's out of your control, but just trying to figure out how to, I guess, just optimize your life, optimize your systems outside of the military. Um, yeah, I would say accountability. Man, like accountability I, love yourself. It. I love it. Jared or Alex, do you, um, do you, do you, uh, you had mentioned the B and B formula. You do some coaching with those guys as well. Cause I've interviewed that guy on the show before as well. Ryan. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, uh, I'm, I'm, a. I'm one of his six coaches for uh, BNB Formula. So they they do the rental arbitrage model. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, it's become just a short-term rental company at this point because um, we like all the coaches have such a different like background and stuff. So I I I teach I teach mainly on like tools and what to how to optimize your property, financing if you want to purchase your own and blah blah blah. But yeah, that's that's he's built a phenomenal community, a very big community of if if probably one of the biggest short-term rental communities. Um, that exists right now, but um, yeah, I'm I'm very active in that community. Um, if you guys want to check that out, that's BNB Formula. I don't I don't know the exact website, but yeah, no. Um, that if it wasn't for that community, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. And I can attribute a couple other things to my success today, but that's that's definitely up there. So my last question here: What would be the other things that you would attribute to your success? And this is going to sound really weird. Um, so I've been a magician for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, so even before the Marine Corps, um, I practiced like street magic and stuff. Um, my mom, my mom's a school teacher. Uh, she's been a school teacher her whole life. And she actually got me into magic. because I was super shy as a kid. Um, so she like forced me into being. <laughs> but uh, it stuck with me, man. It stuck with me when I was in the Marine Corps. I would just bust out a, like I would always have a deck of cards on me and everything. And then it's turn into this really cool like networking thing as well like in, in the business stuff that I do and um, one thing that it's actually really helped me do is like what we talked about is like disconnecting and something about working on like it's like my creative outlook like I don't really write too much like for pleasure I don't really read too much for like pleasure I read to learn mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of been my outlet and it's it's helped me sort of work through a lot of blocks that I've had in terms of business where if I couldn't figure out something just sort of disconnect and just work on like a car trick or something. Um, so that, that's been like my creative outlook is like magic outside of business, which I think is super important to have in general, just something you can step away from and just, just something that you can have fun with. Man, I love it. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I know I learned a few things and I know the audience probably learned a ton of things, guys. If you want to learn more, you can connect with Alex um, directly on his website, Alex Jarbo. Dot com. His last name is J-A-R-B-O. Um, SaigonInvestments.com. His YouTube channel is called Alex Builds. And if you want to learn more about Alex's course in coaching, go to B-D-B-S-T-R, Build Don't Buy, uh, Short-Term Rental. That's the abbreviation there, B-D-B-S-T-R, Masterclass.com. And with that, guys, we're going to be ending this episode. Do not forget that you make your money when you buy you get paid when you sell. That is one of the most important rules when it comes to real estate investing. And, you know, we had mentioned this actually in this episode quite a few times, but we are really in the marketing business, right? Before you are. in any other business. And I know Alex agrees because he's over here shaking his head, you know, saying, yes, I agree. 
you know, we are in the marketing business before we are in any other business. So you really need to understand marketing and you need to get good at marketing. And if you want to build like Alex is doing, then you need to learn how to find properties that are listed for sale or maybe even properties that aren't listed for sale that you can market directly to the homeowners, right? If you are in the coaching space, then you need to learn how to market to the, the avatar, the proper student. If you're in the wholesaling space, you need to learn how to market to motivated sellers. It doesn't matter what space you're in, you need to learn marketing. And that is, that is basically what, we are, what business we are all in before the actual business or product or service that we are selling. We need to understand and learn how to market that. So don't forget. And guys, head on over to discountpropertyinvestor.com to learn more about how you can market directly to motivated sellers, off-market property owners, and get good at finding those deals because I'm going to say it one more time. We make our money when we buy. We get paid when we sell. But learning how to find those deals is really where we're going to create a ton of success and create a lot of wealth when it comes to real estate investing. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show and being an awesome guest. You provided a ton of value today, and I'm really, really grateful for your time, and I look forward to learning more about your coaching and your course. So guys, don't forget, check him out, alexjarbo.com. And with that, we're gonna be signing off. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.